It's kind of fun to see all the real wonderful things there are. And then it's kind of nice to think of all the wonderful imaginary things you can think of. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week. Welcome, new listeners. I've had a fun week, lots of virtual shows this week, and I ended my series Joke Story Trick after 66 episodes. Those are done and gone from the internet, unless you're a Patreon supporter, in which case you can view them all. And Wednesday night, I appeared over on Matt Dillahunty's show, The Hang Up. That was so much fun for me. I hope I get the chance to do it again. So it was a great week. I got the chance to bake some apple pie because there's always time for apple pie. This show always starts with a listener giving us an idea of something they learned on the internet. And I wanted to let you know, I want your ideas for show topics. You can submit them on the internet says it's true.com. If you look on the sidebar on the left, there's a submit form where you can send that in. Let's get on with this week's show. This week's episode is going to be a bit longer because it's really three stories in one. Today's topic comes from my friend Cameron. Hey, Michael. It's Cameron from Michigan. I heard a crazy rumor, and I want to know if it's true. Was Big Bird supposed to be on the Challenger mission? This is really interesting. Of course, Cameron is referring to the Challenger space shuttle disaster in the 80s. Let's take a look. Interesting. So I think to tell this story, we have to tell three stories. First, we tell the story of Big Bird. Like so many of Jim Henson's creations, Big Bird started as a simple sketch. He was creating characters for a new television show, Sesame Street. The producers of the show had asked Henson to create some of his Muppets for the show that would interact with the human characters on Sesame Street. The original sketch of Big Bird, which I'll put in the show notes, is nothing but a pencil drawing of a man with the Big Bird outlined around him, holding his arms straight above his head to make the mouth of the tall figure talk. There's also a color drawing of what he thought Big Bird looked like, and it ended up being pretty similar to the character that we now know. The Muppet's chief puppet creator, Kermit Love, built the Big Bird costume as a larger-than-life 8-foot-2 creation. The right arm of the person inside would control the mouth and face, and the left arm would control Big Bird's left wing. There wasn't a spot for holes to see out, so a small camera would lead to a tiny television inside the costume. One interesting note that I found while researching this, Kermit Love was particularly proud of the fact that Big Bird was created to occasionally shed a yellow feather or two as he moved around. Love compared this to a tall tree dropping the occasional leaf. The rest of Big Bird is all due to the man who is synonymous with the character, Carol Spinney. Spinney gave Big Bird his voice, his mannerisms, and his childlike demeanor, which he's described as perpetually six years old. Carol had worked with Jim Henson for the last seven years after the two met at a puppeteering convention. He played both the parts of Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch on Sesame Street and worked on the show for 49 years. One of the ways that Big Bird taught children was through frequently misunderstanding things, the same types of things that a six-year-old might misunderstand, and that presented a brilliant way for the children to learn along with Big Bird. Since he first appeared on the very first episode of Sesame Street on November 10, 1969, Big Bird rose to huge popularity and fame and became a symbol for educational television. He's met with many famous guests. Hi. This is my friend, Mrs. Bush. 
Hello, nice to see you again, Big Bird. Oh, it's nice to see you too. Mrs. Bush is here today to read us a storybook I borrowed from the Sesame Street Library. That was Carol Spinney as Big Bird appearing on Sesame Street alongside Barbara Bush, First Lady. Big Bird appeared with every First Lady from Pat Nixon to Dr. Jill Biden, with the only exceptions being Nancy Reagan and Melania Trump. As far as I could tell, those are the only two First Ladies never to meet with Big Bird. Jim Henson died on May 16, 1990, and at his memorial service, Big Bird sang a song that will go down in history. It's not that easy being green Having to spend the day the color of the leaves When I think it could be nicer being red or yellow or gold or something much more colorful like that It's not easy Carol Spinney continued playing Big Bird until 2018. And while neither Jim Henson nor Carol Spinney are with us today, the character of Big Bird continues on, still six years old. After a quick break, we'll come back and we'll get to the second story, the Challenger space shuttle mission. Sometimes when I'm wearing a jacket and I've got too much crap in my pockets, I look big and fluffy like a Big Bird. There you go. Segue. Uh, <laughs> I am excited to be partnered with this company because it's a product that I've used and loved for years. Scotty Vest makes gear that looks great and is packed with pockets. And as much as I travel, that's always been a huge perk. But even on years like the last one where I don't travel as much, my Scotty Vest fleece is just as useful because I'm always carrying so much stuff with me my wallet, my phone, my keys, my mask. There's a pocket for everything. Uh, and for those of you who are on Patreon and can see the video of my quick quiz today, you'll see that I'm actually wearing it down here in the studio today. I want to get you 15% off your Scotty Vest. Go to scottyvest.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-E-V-E-S-T.com. Use my promo code TELLME, all one word, for 15% off your order. That's scottyvest.com. Enter promo code TELLME. I tend to get asked on a weekly basis how I'm running my shows online. Between snazzy transitions, backgrounds, graphics, quality sound, people want to use the tools and tricks that I'm using to help make their own presentations stand out. And I'm talking about getting away from the boring meetings where it's just a bunch of talking heads putting everyone to sleep. But here's the thing, if I just told you what I'm using, it's not going to help much. There's a pretty substantial learning curve to some of this software. That's where Virtual Presenter Course comes in. We're talking about step-by-step -step instructions that even non-tech-savvy people understand. It'll help turn your presentations into a virtual broadcast studio. I want your online meetings to be awesome, so I'm going to get you 20% off your order. Just go to virtualpresentercourse.com 30 or use the link in the show notes, and I promise you'll immediately like what you see. It's virtualpresentercourse.com 30, and you too can be a world-class presenter. Now let's get back to the show. The second story is one that I have a really strong memory of. So picture this with me. I'm in the first grade. They've wheeled a television cart into the classroom so we could take part in a special event, the Challenger Space Shuttle Liftoff. We were so excited. My first grade teacher, Miss Hayes, was so excited for us to witness the launch. 
Not many people know this, but the Challenger liftoff was not watched live by that many Americans. A lot of people have a sort of Mandela effect. They remember watching it live at home. But in reality, NASA space shuttle missions had become fairly commonplace and weren't seen as particularly newsworthy by the late 80s. It was broadcast live on CNN, but people weren't watching cable news around the clock like they do now, and it happened during the middle of the day when a lot of people were at work. Most people who remember watching it actually witnessed it when the news replayed the event after it happened. Even so, a survey was conducted that concluded 85% of Americans knew about it within an hour. But for people my age, people in grade school at the time, it was noteworthy and was shown in every classroom because of a special guest on the shuttle. Krista McAuliffe was a 37-year-old social studies teacher from New Hampshire who was going to be the first teacher in space. She was selected from more than 11,000 applicants. The Teacher in Space program had been announced by Ronald Reagan in 1984 to inspire students and increase interest in math, science, and space exploration. For that reason, the launch of the Challenger for its mission STF-51L was shown live in classrooms across America on January 28, 1986. McAuliffe was a civilian, but had trained with NASA for a year after being chosen. She was among the six other NASA crew members on board that day. And as many know, one minute and 13 seconds after liftoff, disaster struck. So the 25th space shuttle mission is now on the way after more delays than NASA cares to count. This morning, it looked as though they were not going to be able to get off. Looks like a couple of the uh, solid rocket boosters uh, blew away from the side of the shuttle in an explosion. Flight controllers here looking very carefully at the situation. Obviously a major malfunction. We have a report from the flight dynamics officer that the vehicle has exploded. Flight director confirms that. We are uh, looking at uh, checking with the recovery forces to see uh, what can be done at this point. No one survived the disaster. The teacher in space program was canceled soon after. After lengthy investigations, it was determined that a rubber gasket in the solid rocket booster had weakened due to the freezing temperatures before the launch. NASA knew about this weakness, but this particular mission had been delayed so many times, they pushed to launch anyway. So back to that first grade classroom. The image of that craft breaking apart on television still remains with me and likely with millions of other Americans who were school children at the time. I remember turning around to see Miss Hayes crying. The third story is where stories one and two come together. Before Krista McAuliffe, before the 11,000 applicants, even before the Teacher in Space program, another idea was proposed. It was a priority to get kids interested in space and math and science. They knew they wanted to use the space shuttle missions to do that. So in the early 1980s, Carol Spinney got a letter. At the height of Big Bird's popularity, I got a wonderful letter while I was on set. 
and it was from NASA. Said that they were worried that children of America were particularly interested in NASA's program. But Big Bird was so popular, they thought that if he went up in the shuttle, that everybody would watch a lot more. So would I be willing to orbit the Earth? And I said, uh, I'm willing to do it. Carol Spinney, as Big Bird, would have been the first American civilian in space. Millions of American schoolchildren would get to see one of their childhood friends, Big Bird, fly into space. Spinney would have to undergo testing and training but it never got to that point. The Big Bird costume was big. It weighed 10 pounds, but it took up a lot of area. And they could never figure out how they would stow the Big Bird suit in the tight quarters of the Challenger. About a month later, we heard from them that there was no room to put Big Bird on the ship, and we had to cancel. After it was decided that Big Bird wouldn't be able to do the mission, they decided that Big Bird's teddy bear, Radar, would be on the mission. This idea would eventually be scrapped as well with the development of the teacher in space concept. Big Bird never went to space. It wasn't meant to be. The Challenger space shuttle disaster was a horrible tragedy. And it would have been one that would have absolutely devastated children if their beloved friend Big Bird had been one of those souls lost on board. Today, Big Bird continues to delight and educate children. He received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, one of just a few fictional characters to receive the honor. He's appeared in movies, television shows, Saturday Night Live, The Tonight Show, and has never stopped that original mission of educating kids from their level, just like he's done for 52 years. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend and quiz them. Today, I'm calling back our good friend, Eric Dittleman, who is a huge Jim Henson fan. So I can't imagine anyone else doing this quiz today. As you know, Eric is a mentalist and co-host of the Mind Over Magic podcast. What's going on, Mr. Dittleman? Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to learn this is about Jim Henson. Yeah, I've given you a hint already, which I normally don't do. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, this this one, I, you've already said, I, I tweeted while I was writing this that I've cried twice while writing this episode. But you don't know specifically what it's about. No. So uh, I'm I'm excited to get into it. I like that you have to do the things I have to do as a mentalist. Like, we haven't prearranged anything. Nothing's been set up. <laughs> <laughs> so the audience knows that, uh, well, it's it, the audience does know the answer to this first question. They always do, because that's the, the, the first question is always the topic. But after that, we'll get to some stuff that's new to all of us. You're right. a huge fan of Jim Henson and the Muppets. I know that you, didn't you sponsor an exhibit of like Statler and Waldorf recently in New York City? The um, I sponsored just Statler. Just Statler. Uh, who's on display in the permanent Henson exhibit in one of my favorite museums in all of New York, the Museum of the Moving Image uh, that just reopened during the pandemic, uh, or since the pandemic rather. And uh, I'm excited to go and visit and see the collection as well as some of the other exhibits that they have going on. But yeah, my name's on a plaque. That's huge. <laughs> that's a big deal. And I, so that's why I, I thought of you for this. Um, and also, you're always just a great guest to have on. If you get this first question right, 
I will mow the lawn when we're done today. Wow, that's high stakes. It's not. I need to do it anyway, and it's going to rain tomorrow. But um, <laughs> if the, the point is, if you get it wrong, I don't have to do it. I could just take a nap. <laughs> well, so, I like that you also like touted me as the Jim Henson expert, and now I'm just going to probably miss all of these. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, you know, well, some of them are difficult. Some of them are not. Uh, This first one may be something that you know about. So here's the first question. Big Bird's fate was very nearly decided by which one of these events in history? A. Carol Spinney's death in 2019. B. Big Bird's planned appearance at the World Trade Center on September 11th. Or C. A plan for Big Bird to be on board the Challenger space shuttle. Uh, This is about Carol Spinney. A. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You've got it wrong, Eric. What? It's, it's C, and I love that you don't know this story because we're going to teach you today. No! Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I know his fate was up in the air when Carol Spinney re- even retired. Uh, yeah. So, in, in that case, maybe I give this one to you. Because uh, when Carol Spinney retired in 2018, they did continue... The character, but his, I, I, the way that I worded that, I said his fate was very nearly decided. So, oh, so I think technically okay. you're right there. It was a tricky wording It here. was a tricky wording, but the answer is C. There was a plan for Big Bird to be on board the Challenger. Uh, the what? mission, yeah, the 10th Challenger mission, the one that exploded. Big Bird was almost on that flight. To be fair, my knowledge of Muppets is different than my knowledge of Sesame Street. Okay, (laughs) that is fair. That is fair. Wow, that's amazing. So Big Bird was going to be in a rocket. I can't imagine if Big Bird was on there and all those kids saw it. I mean, that's just, that would be an extra level of horrific for little kids to watch. Basically, what we're saying right now, Eric, is that I do not have to mow the lawn. Yeah, I got it wrong for your benefit. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Question two. If you get this one right, I will do a special ad for Mind Over Magic, your podcast, on my next episode. If you get it wrong, you guys have to do an ad for my podcast. Uh, Sure. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I'll put that at stake. Can you speak for for Matt and just say yes? (laughs) I mean... I'll, I'll I'll plug it. I don't okay. know if Matt will even notice sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you're editing it, then he won't. Yeah, you won't know. Yeah. You just add it in later. Yeah. There are official versions of Big Bird in at least eight other countries, and they're referred to as Big Bird's cousins. Mm-hmm. Which one of these is not an official cousin of Big Bird? Okay. This is a tough one. This Here, is, let me just casually drink from this mug, though. Oh, he's got the Muppet <laughs> Show glass. Not even planned. You didn't even know that that's what this <laughs> was about. Um, and by the way, we were talking about how I was crying as I was writing this. I literally broke down watching the re- re-watching Big Bird at Jim Henson's funeral uh, at, wow. the, at the yeah. memorial service. He's saying it's not easy being green, and I just lost it. But I'm a big baby. So <laughs> <laughs> here we go. So there, these are three cousins of Big Bird, and one of them is made up. One of them I just made up. A, Abelardo Montoya, the Mexican Big Bird. B, Daniao, the Chinese Big Bird. Or C, Grozer Vogel, the German Big Bird. No, geez. Right, um, there's, no, there's no way. This is going to be a stab in the dark. I, I put these in as additional info for the listeners. We all get to learn something new. And I will say I did find a clip of one of these 
characters on the American Sesame Street where they met and chatted. Okay, um, so I'm gonna play a little gamesmanship. What what uh, names would you be comfortable making up for this question? Okay, so those <laughs> the, those three names once again: Abelardo Montoya, the Mexican Big Bird; Daniel, the Chinese Big Bird; Grozer Vogel, the German Big Bird. Uh, see, I'm just all stuck into um, the Big Bird movie when he goes to Asia and sings uh, Ohio means good morning or something like that. Yeah. So I feel like their uh, B might be right. Uh, uh, two of these are correct. One of them is not. So we're looking for the one that's not. C feels like I might have heard that one. That one's fun. Although Grozier is very close to Grover. Um, I'm going to go. <laughs> also, I'll go with A. I'm sorry, the answer was C. The German Big Bird, Roser Vogel. I literally just put Big Bird into Google Translate in German, and that's what I came up with. Because that's what the Chinese Big Bird, Daniao, is. Uh, It literally means Big Bird in Chinese. Um, Mm -hmm. It appears to be exactly the same as the original American Big Bird. So that is uh, Daniao. And then Abelardo Montoya is a different looking cousin, bright green with a pink throat and a shorter beak. And Abelardo has been on Sesame Street with Big Bird. Wow. The Mexican cousin. Wow. Uh, I I like that you're like, let's get a Henson uh, fan on here just so we could get all these wrong. But now I got to plug your podcast on my podcast. (laughs) Listen, I I think about this stuff. I'm like, I'm going to put the hardest one. On the question that gives me the best benefit. Um, so I, I don't necessarily, I, I really don't bring you on here to to make you look stupid or anything like that. But of all my friends who I know would enjoy learning these weird things about Muppet creations, Jim Henson's Muppets, it would be you. So That's true. That's a good to, way to spin this. You get, you get to learn some new stuff. So you've been on the show a few times, and I wonder if you remember what is always the prize for question number three. Um, merch? But specifically, <laughs> a very specific piece of merch, the Tell Me What to Google sticker. The coveted Tell Me What to Google sticker, a sticker about a show that no longer exists. While Big Bird would have been the first anthropomorphic bird in space, he wouldn't have been the first animal in space. Four years before Yuri Gagarin became the first man to orbit the Earth, which one of these was the first animal in orbit? A. I think I, I, think I might know this. Go on. Okay. I, got, I did not know this. So, oh. And I love this. I love aerospace and... and looking up space history and stuff. So this one, this one was news to me Mm. and the, the one, okay, well, we'll just, let me just read the the answers first. A, Laika, the dog, B, Bubbles, the chimpanzee, or C, Penfold, the mouse. Um, C, I think there's a trick here. Uh, I do think monkeys have been to space. This is not the name of the monkey I was thinking because I actually visited the um, the Museum of Space in Huntsville, Alabama, where they have the grave of whatever the monkey that was named. Uh, but I'm pretty sure like uh, the animation company is named after the first dog in space. 
Uh, so I'm going to go dog A. You are correct. <laughs> and the reason that this was sort of a tricky, difficult question was the same reason that you just said, I have been to that museum also because I've played that school that you've played. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, Univers University of Alabama Huntsville is right near that giant army base. And next to the army base is the Space Museum and Space Camp. And they have the monkeys buried there. And uh, so here is the weird thing with that. Those monkeys, there were two of them, and I'd have to look up their names. They were rhesus monkeys, mm -hmm. and uh, those monkeys did go into space, but not into orbit. Oh, wow. So there is where this, uh, this question is worded, worded a, a tricky way. They went into I, space, and they came down, and the first one landed <laughs> and then died on, on, on landing. So he did live through the entire launch. Uh, Laika the dog, however, was put into orbit by the Russians. 1957 was actually in orbit, but sadly did not survive the trip. We will not talk about that. The um the thing that I could have wrong here, but what I the way I remember it is the the monkey went up into space, but there's two two graves for like his his like wife or companion, and that one didn't go up in space. <laughs> it's smaller like headstone. It's very weird. It is. I don't know it if that's weird. true or not. But. No, yeah, I I I visited those. Uh, those gravestones, they were on the Roadside America app that we love. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> that's but, why I found it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great museum nonetheless. Like, I love all that stuff. They have a ton of old rockets. They have a giant Saturn V rocket on the inside that's it's like taken apart. And, uh, also, yeah. Bubbles is famously MJ's monkey. So that that's, was easy. <laughs> yeah, that was a little hint for you. Uh, and, and Penfold, the mouse, is Danger Mouse. Nice. That, so that did another, sound familiar. Yeah, another little little hint hint in there. Uh, Sam was a rhesus macaque monkey who flew to an altitude of 55 miles in 59. But before that, there was Albert 1 and Albert 2. And those are the ones that are buried in, uh, in Huntsville, I believe. And nice. ooh, I'm reading their fate, and we'll just skip over that because that is... Depressing. Yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> moving on. So you got that one right, which means you get another sticker. And I don't, I don't think I ever gave you the first sticker. Uh, I generally, you know, this is always the third question, and I'm very bad about actually mailing the stickers out. <laughs> That's fair. Question four. For this question, if you get it wrong, you have to work in a phrase of my choice in your next podcast. Oh, okay. So I thought the phrase of the choice to work in was to plug your podcast. No, that, I thought you were already an, getting This getting is an addition phrase. to... So you, I get an ad and a, a little uh, Easter egg. Okay. So here it is. The phrase is... Wait, well, if I get it right, you have to work in a phrase of mine? You, uh, the same phrase. And, okay. Well, no, let's, let's do it a phrase of yours. Why not? As long as it's <laughs> okay. family friendly, you can come up with a phrase and give it to me. I don't mind. As long as we can say it here on the podcast so that people know to listen for it next week. Okay. The phrase will be, if, it's, if, if we're doing it on your podcast, if, this is, if you get it wrong... Sometimes I feel like I can still taste it. Sometimes I feel like I can still taste it. Yeah. And, you know, that could, I, I chose something that could describe a lot of things. So you can, you know, that could be like a memory, like the memory is so strong. Sometimes I feel like I can still taste it. Uh, it could be a lot of things. And, and this week I did drop a quote from the, the guest got it right last week. And so this episode does have something in it that the listeners will have to see if I said it. Uh, so what, what do you think? Do you have one of your own or do you have one that, do you want to just have me do the same 
Oh, no, no, I have my own. Uh, okay. It's a phrase that will not come up naturally at all. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. But it's, uh, it was, uh, I don't even know if it's the real name of this improv game, but um, it was passed down to me. Uh, but uh, you have to say the phrase, porpoises undulating wildly. Porpoises undulating wildly. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right, man. I'm typing it, so I have it. And there's high stakes for this one. The mm-hmm. high stakes. And uh, you've already let us know that you're not as much of a Sesame Street aficionado as you are mm-hmm. the Muppet Show. In an episode of Sesame Street, Big Bird dealt with the heavy topic of death when a Sesame Street character passed away. It was a widely applauded episode for its straightforwardness and educational value of teaching kids about a difficult topic. Who was the character that died on Sesame Street. There are three options. Okay. A, Mr. Roper. B, Gordon. C, Mr. Hooper. Mr. Hooper, final answer. You got it right. It's Mr. I Hooper. Knew it. <laughs> and uh, of course, Mr. Roper was from Three's Company. And Gordon is still very much alive and uh, on the show still, I believe. I believe Gordon is still on Sesame Street. Yes, um, and I actually, they cover that episode in the HBO documentary about Sesame Street, uh, the street called Street Gang, how we got to Sesame Street. Yeah, so. it's pretty heavy. Um, you know, the, the, basically the scene is that Big Bird has drawn pictures of everyone on Sesame Street, and when he draws a picture of Mr. Hooper, whose name he comically gets wrong all the time, he calls him Mr. Cooper and Mr. Looper, uh, he says he can't wait to give it to him. And the gang has to sort of explain to him that he will not see Mr. Hooper again. And it's a really interesting way of of telling children about death from someone on their level, which uh, which Big Bird is. Right. Uh, yeah, because was... Big Bird was always used as an analog for the children watching as this kind of like giant overgrown child, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the character of Mr. Hooper died, it says, when the actor who portrayed him, Will Lee died in 1983 so that was 83 that that happened and yeah carol spenny has said that uh, big bird is perpetually six years old question five. Oh wait what was our uh so you, you got that you, right i have to say oh no <laughs> oh no i have to say porpo- porpoises undulating wildly in your in your next episode i'll be tuning in what if it's a serious episode what if it's about like some heavy topic you know like this you one- can w- wait for the guest segment to like where it's casual this is gonna make the final edit. I guess, but then it'll have to be like an improv. Oof. Man, <laughs> this is a lot of pressure, but I'm I'm happy about it. And uh, yikes, I gotta say that next week. Porpoises undulating wildly. All right, well, listen for that, folks. That'll be that'll be next week's show. <laughs> oh man, this and I, I, I'm really hoping there's people who just listened to that show and didn't hear this part. So. Yeah, especially <laughs> I'll just drop it as a non sequitur. <laughs> I'll just be like, so this week we're talking about blah 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 blah. By the way, porpoise is undulating wildly. Brought to you by Scotty Vest. Uh, <laughs> I suggest that you do like. Um, Maybe like some analogies, some similes, like yeah. this was like this, this, and porpoises well, undulated wildly. One of my partnerships is with is with Virtual Presenter Course, and I could say, let's say that you're an oceanographer, and, <laughs> or, or maybe a marine biologist, and you're doing a, a Zoom platform discussion to people about, about <laughs> dolphins, and you have to describe the difference between 
dolphins and porpoises and sort of the way that they move through <laughs> the water. Whereas like dolphins tend to, you know, swim in straight lines. Porpoises tend to be undulating wildly. And uh, yeah, so well, Amazing. That's, that's how we'll do it. Question five. This one is for all the marbles. If you get this wrong, I'm banning you from the show. Never to be asked on again, even though you are the guest with the most appearances on this show so far. Here's your question. What television show are you currently into? Oh, um, that's a good question. I'm really excited for Mythic Quest to come back. So I'm looking forward to that one. Mythic Quest. I will, uh, I will look for it. What, what, should we all watch that? Or is there another show that we should all watch? That's on watch? Apple TV. Uh, the first season was great. Uh, and it's kind of like uh, Silicon Valley meets the gaming industry kind of stuff. So oh, that's fun. It's very, very funny. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, that was an you. easy question, Michael. I'm not banned for a recommendation. I always, I always let let the question five be the the easy one because <laughs> I want everyone back on the show. So, well, it's good to see you. Thank you for doing this and taking time out of your schedule to join me here. Go follow Eric on Twitter. It's uh, E Dittleman, E D I T T E L M A N, and listen to the Mind Over Magic podcast. It's Eric and Matt Franco of America's Got Talent fame, and they talk about magic, but about other things, about entertainment, about movies. You don't have to be a magician to listen. It's just really entertaining podcast. So it's called Mind Over Magic. And it's really interesting, too, because we've been kind of seeing how entertainers have been dealing with the pandemic. And now that Matt's uh, just reopened his show in Vegas, we're hearing all about that process as well. Um, but uh, you can listen to that wherever you're listening to this. And then also, of course, since we're talking about Henson, I believe The Muppet Show is on Disney+. Plus, So check that out as well. The Muppet Show. I need to go back and do that. Some really, really interesting stuff. Well, it's been good to see you, man. And uh, you have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you soon. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks to Cameron for the show topic and Eric Dittleman for being a guest. Go hit the Patreon if you want to see the video unedited of the guest quiz or to hear bonus episodes. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from my show, please go over to iTunes and leave a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You got to do it. It helps me a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the Internet says it's true. The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions put them at producer status. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Tony Ford, Bryce Swanson, Mitch Joseph Kemplin, Andrew Joseph Kemplin, Alan Sokolik, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, and Joanne Martin. This show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Quinces Morea, The Westerlies, and Asher Falero. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. <laughs>